All right, let's see where we were. So last week we started in on a study on Proverbs 25. And we were going through a study here that Warren Wearsby put together and kind of using it as a guide for our discussions. And so let's do a little bit of a recap as before we get into uh, where we need to pick up here. We had gotten into uh, the point three of wisdom and gone through that. So tonight we have point four, which is gentleness. And then if you flip the page over here, we have kindness and self-control will be the next ones we go through. Um, Proverbs 25, where we starts off in, in trying to get us to have an understanding of the fact that there is a certain type of anger, which is an anger against sin, that is a righteous type of anger. It's not sinful in and of itself. But it's easy for us to cross that line and go too far and wind up in a situation where we are having sinful thoughts, performing sinful actions, and we've, we've gone from a point where uh, we are using a, a righteous feeling that God has given us so that we can be motivated to do something in a right way for Him, and instead we start to do things in a wrong way for ourselves is the way that, that I think we could paraphrase all of this. Um, and so what we talked about last week, we looked at different verses throughout Proverbs 25, and we had some discussions on the importance of patience. And we talked about um, uh, when it comes to, to, to privacy, how it's better for us to not take something that we learn immediately and go try and tell the world uh, and try to, to get everybody on our side. Uh, when there's a problem, we should, we should have a conversation with someone one-on-one -on -one with a gentle spirit and, and try to resolve those things. Uh, we talked uh, with regard to, to, to wisdom. We went back and mentioned something we've talked about in here that God freely gives wisdom to those who ask for it. Book of James tells us that. And, and so we were kind of putting all these things together and had a lot of discussion with regard to interactions among family members, interactions among uh, whether it be people at work or other people in our lives. And, uh, and certainly you can read back through those if you weren't with us last week uh, to try and get a, a feel for some of the things that we discussed. Uh, but, but we had a really good discussion because I think this kind of hits home for all of us. You know, it's, it's, it's something that I think I started off last week by saying, I don't know that I can tell you when my anger crosses the line. I don't know that it's possible. We talk about Jesus and his anger when he was, was uh, you know, turning over the tables in the temple of the money changers. And we know that his, his anger was righteous in nature because Jesus never sinned. And so he was at that level and he was... <laughs> literally attacking these folks in a way that was not a sinful level of anger. And, and so how do we know, and I don't have an answer for it, I really don't, um, unless we just say that if our anger is at the sin and not at the sinner, perhaps that's a line we don't cross. And, and that's a guideline for us. Um, and we're going after trying to to do something with the sin that is taking place and we're not trying to punish the sinner because that's up to God. Um, but it's, I, I think there's a, there's, a, there's a line there. I love how Wiersbe tells us, and I'll read through this a little bit again so we, before we kick up here. 
But he says we must notice from the start that there's a righteous anger against sin that is itself that in itself is not sinful. He, talk, he says verse 23 teaches us that an angry look will silence a gossip. Jesus looked around about on them with anger as an example there. And Paul advises us to be angry and do not sin. But he doesn't really tell us here specifically what it is. He goes on down there to say sinful anger is of the flesh and does not accomplish God's will. Satan can work through our angry words and attitudes. So God warns us to put off anger. An angry person is a dangerous friend, Proverbs 22, uh, 24, 29, and 22. And an angry woman makes a poor wife. So he, he drives these points home that there is a line that we shouldn't cross when it comes to our anger and our attitude. And that sets the stage for the rest of our discussion. Anything anybody wants to bring up before we um, jump in and start talking about gentleness in verse 15? Well, it seems like if you have that kind of anger, if it, once you do cross that line, being as a Christian, the Holy Spirit will you'll, you'll start feeling that guilt and that conviction um, but when will you feel it? I would say probably if you have the thought. After, after you have the thought or after you have an action or after you've said what you shouldn't have said. Yeah. 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 So because, you know, because he's not going to convict you of, of the sin until after you've committed. <laughs> until you committed, right? Well, like you convicted all day because, you know. Well. Because they said, you know, thinking. Fine line, Barb, uh, fine line. Yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> yeah the, the thought process is. It's not so much a the sinful nature as it is acting upon it. <laughs> there are there are thoughts that are not sinful until they are acted upon. There are sinful thoughts. Yes. 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 Those that absolutely we can we are in, in agreement about, on that. It, for some reason, my mind went back to that song that came out what five ten years ago. Something about he was might have been about talking about. Being man and that's why for some, but talking about wishing the plane would fall on you or something, I have I have to look at it. it was, okay, I don't know what it is. Yes, it was it was like a funny type song that came out, but it was just like you know I wish like the, the train would fall off the. I'll, I'll have to try to find it, but that song all of a sudden just popped into my head. <laughs> you know things that you wish would happen. You know and you know, and you, know, you really know. shouldn't wish them. So. Yeah, <laughs> I, I have to find it. I'll have to find that song. But I mean, your point, your, your point is well taken. And so I think one of the things we talked about last week was was trying to get ourselves to the point where we, 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 we quoted phrases like uh, pray without ceasing. You know, we we uh, we talked about how it's a struggle for us to every day get up and try to put ourselves in the right mindset so that when those things happen, when those when those times arise, we're already in the spirit to the level where hopefully we will realize the line is in front of us and we shouldn't cross it. And, and that's a, and I think that's that's a big point of what we find in Proverbs is as you read through all of these things that Solomon and others wrote as words of wisdom, the whole point of taking scripture and hiding these words in your heart means that you take those words and you hold on to them and you let them influence your actions throughout the day. Easier said than done. Uh, but that's the goal of Scripture. That's the goal of, uh, of our study is, is to take the words and hide them in our heart 
And as we say, used to say in Awana, um, every week when we would do our, uh, our pledge to the Bible, um, you know, we'll hide our words in our heart that I might not sin against God. Uh, but, but we'd also use those words as a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. So they, we use it to illuminate where we're headed. We use it to guide us in the right direction, to make the right choices. And we'll use them to avoid being sinful in our actions each and every day. And again, easier said than done. So let's get into verse 15 and let's talk about gentleness. So we're just going to read that one verse because we're just kind of following through with this study. It says, with patience, a ruler may be persuaded and a soft tongue will break a bone. Interesting. Anybody want to give us any insight on those? What what it, what you you kind of what that says to you before we read Wearsby's words? Unless you've already read Wearsby's words and you just want to tell me what it says, because <laughs> it's a, it, it's an interesting interesting thing to to think about that a soft tongue will break a bone. You know, we've talked in depth last week and we continue to talk about how our words matter and how our our words have so much power. And in this case, we're hearing about being gentle and we're hearing about our actions being guided by patience and that if our words are softer, they can have more power than if they are angry words led by the wrong spirit. And there's a lot to be said for that. If, uh, if, you, you, know, if you think about it, the, some of the most productive conversations and productive discussions are amongst two people who are level-headed, they're not mad, they're not upset, but yet they still disagree with one another. They can actually talk things out and get somewhere. But that's not the way of the world today. That's not the way of our relationships with one another. That's not the way of the relationships of our politicians. It's not how they negotiate. It's, you know, none of that seems to hold true. And God is saying, if, if we would just exercise some more gentleness in how we approach things, things would be different. Let's look at what Wearsby says. He says, what a contradiction. A gentle tongue breaks a bone. This parallels Proverbs 15.1 that says a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Our first reaction to someone's meanness is to be mean in return, but this only adds fuel to the fire. See also James 3.5, which we can go back and read. It says, we are commanded not to return evil for evil and not to revile others who revile us. If we are seeking to restore a sinning believer, we need a spirit of meekness and not an attitude of anger. This is why Paul ministered to his converts, and this is what he commands believers to do. Elijah had to learn that God sometimes uses the still small voice and not a tornado. Many have the idea that gentleness is weakness, but it is not. It is power under control. It is gentleness of the surgeon that makes him great. And only the Holy Spirit can give us this precious grace. There are a lot of scripture references in this 
that I, I, I certainly would say look up and they will essentially they will drive home the point that Wiersbe's trying to make. And it's an obvious point, right? Don't be argumentative. Don't be someone who returns anger for anger, evil for evil for evil. When someone reviles you, don't revile them back. But I'm gonna I'm gonna ask the question: What does that mean when um, we start talking about on a bigger level, a bigger scale? Okay, Chinese balloon is floating over the United States, and the first thing we think of is we got to do something to those Chinese people. We got to retaliate in some way. They're spying on us. We need to do something to them. Or if somebody launches a missile in our direction, what's the first thing we want to do? How does that discussion vary or is it different from what we're talking about here? Where's the difference in those pictures? And, and what's right? Clock has so much to say. <laughs> we should return hate for hate. It just develops more anger, resentment, and hate. It 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 does, and and it's on a there's a but there's a difference in the way that God instructs individuals to handle things, and we're talking about individual relationships when we read throughout Proverbs here and what we're studying at the moment anyway. And we're really talking about one-on-one -on -one interactions and people getting along with people. Now, if all the people in the world exercised this, we wouldn't have a need for all the other things we're talking about. War and all those things wouldn't be a problem, but there's still a problem. There's a difference between the instructions given to individuals and the instructions given to governments. Since God put governments in place, governments have a role to do certain things that individual people do not have. And I'm not going to say that governments always act in a biblical way, but certainly there is a time when a, 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 a retaliatory strike or some sort of, a, of an action from the government is something that would be in a biblical nature or would be, a, would be in agreement with the Bible, put it that way. Um, whereas when we start talking about one-on-one -on -one discussions in our, in our interpersonal relationships, it's a different picture. And, and so they're two, they are two totally separate discussions. And, and they really don't have, uh, they, don't, they don't overlap. And there's an awful lot uh, in this, that scripture has to say with regard to, to governments. And um, you know, there's, there's a reason why I believe that, uh, and this is, again, I'm probably gonna stir somebody up, there's a reason why I believe that the, that the Bible absolutely 100% backs the death penalty. I think that there's, that there's no question that when you go to look at the way that scripture lays out the powers that are given to government and that, that when laws are passed for, uh, uh, for punishment, that God has given the government the, the right to do that. And that, that includes capital punishment. Um, and so there's, there's, but if it's a one-on-one -on -one thing, vigilantism is not, we're not talking about self-defense, we're talking about vigilantism, and, and that's not something that is included. So, so I just wanted to, to kind of separate those two discussions out, because it seems like every time we talk about one-on-one, -on -one, gentleness, meekness, what have you, in today's world, people want to take 
certain parts of scripture and use it as the paint to, to do a broad painting across everybody's actions, including governments. And they want to say, well, you know, the Bible says you shouldn't be doing this, you shouldn't be doing that. Well, read your Bible and you might see that it says a little more than that. There's, there's a lot more to be gained than just picking and choosing and applying what Scripture says to try and validate your own individual purposes, which is just about all we ever see anymore on social media and on TV these days. People quote Scripture if it's backing up what they believe and they take it out of context. So we're not going to do that here, are we? No. <laughs> I just see if you're still with me, that's all. Looking for a head nod, yeah. So, and I guess this is a, a King James, like the first mm. part of verse 15 says, by long forbearance, a ruler is persuaded. What do you think they're meaning by that? Like he's thinking and like looking at the whole, the picture as a whole, or what? I mean, I it, think that has come my eye and I just can't get past that. What is, what is it, what is he trying well, you know what's there? Let me, let me do it this way. Um, let me grab something here real quick. And that is that's the thing. It was like they were saying, like as a as a ruler and somebody who is taking it and looking at everything and looking at the big picture is more persuaded to Yeah, so okay, so you know, to do something. If you if you take both of it, really take take both of those things into consideration, you can't really separate out with patience or ruler may be persuaded from a soft tongue will break a bone. So you put the two together, and and I'll, I'll just read you this here: diplomacy with superiors means using tact even while trying to persuade. So in other words, it's all about patience. It's all about being tactful. It's all about it's all about taking the the approach of you know what, I'm not going to lose my temper, I'm not going to lose my cool, I'm not going to run over anything. Um, and so even when working with your superiors, you might be able to win over the boss, you might be able to win over the king, you might be able to whoever, with patience and with tactfulness. And so it's, it's, it's a word from a king to tell you that that with patience, a ruler may be persuaded, and the way you approach him should be with a soft tongue. Okay. So, does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So I, would, I would just know if it was like saying, you know, as a ruler, you're, and having that forbearance, if it was more like taking the time and getting all the facts and looking at the bigger picture versus what is just... <clears throat> Right. right in front of you. Yeah, yeah. I think I think the 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 implications here are more towards someone who's trying to figure out how to be persuasive and how to try and, and essentially get someone to hear you to hear your point of view. And if you if you want a ruler to hear your point of view, you're never going to get it by busting in and saying you got to listen to me because his pride takes over and he looks at you and says, "Who do you think you are? I'm in charge. You get out of here." And you know, if somebody, if you want somebody to listen to you, it would be a different approach. And I think, like you mentioned, like the balloon with China, it's like we didn't immediately go bomb them. No, you know, we found out, you know, what's going on. Is it really a spy balloon? You know, there was patience in trying to find out the facts. 
And then there, there was actually. And then they just went from there. Yep. You know, and I'm sure the leaders talked to him and said, "Hey, what are you doing?" <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I, I, I really think, I, I really think that, that that's the thing. It's yeah. it. Most people didn't know that these things have ever happened before, and the moment you see one, you have a knee jerk reaction. And, and while I've got all sorts of opinions about who's running the government, I do think that they knew more about this than we did, and they probably had a different point of view of, look, we know what the capabilities are, look, we know what it's probably doing, and this isn't the first one that's come over here. And so they they didn't react the way that we wanted them to react. And understanding that where it went down, they were actually able to recover it, whereas had they shot it down anywhere else, they might not have been. Um, and I can reason out some of the things that they did, um, but, but there are times when, perhaps foolishly, I do think that the government knows more and I have to trust them. Um, I don't want to, but I don't really have a choice. <laughs> but you're, yeah, you're right. It, it, it was a, it was a, it was one of those things where we didn't. Somebody didn't push a button and say, "Let's blow something up." Patience, you know, you gotta find out the facts. You just don't automatically go, "All right, we're just gonna destroy them because they did that." You know. So you, yeah, I think you could you could apply that you could apply that a couple different ways there. Absolutely. Anything else? For some reason, I'm liking verse 12. You're liking verse 12? Yeah. Like a gold ring or an ornament of gold is a wise reprover to a listening ear. Why does that strike a chord? It has to be an obedient. Well, mine says to an obedient ear. Ah, okay. The receiver has to be obedient. But the person doing the uh, speaking has to realize that, that they, you know, they are willing to listen and or obedient. And they're going, and the person you're talking is going that right. Mm. So read yours, read yours to me again. I want to hear what your words are in your, in your script. As an earring of gold and an ornament of fine gold, so is a wise reprover upon an obedient ear. An obedient ear. Oh, I like that better than listening, actually. Yeah. Hmm. Well, there's a lot of there's a lot of gems in front of it, all throughout yeah. uh, all throughout here that we can pull out and yeah. and study. And uh, so, that's, if someone offends you and you go to try and talk to them about it, they have to be willing to listen and receive what you're saying, and and not thinking, well, no, you know, what I did was right in my own eyes, so it doesn't matter what you think. And well, and, and I mean, I, I when I hear an obedient ear or I hear a listening ear, I hear someone who's just willing to, um, I guess, someone who's willing to set aside and and tune in, you know. And a wise reprover is not going to go at the clean your clock at exactly. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. The, 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 that's the whole. That's the whole point of wisdom, right? With wisdom, what do we always talk about? And we've, we've 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 hit it pretty hard in here. We talk about maturity in Christ, in our in our Christian beliefs. We talk about wisdom. We talk about meekness coming along as a uh, as a result of that maturity. We talk about Christ as the ultimate example of meekness on the cross. And if Christ is our example, then when we are faced with persecution or challenges or problems, we're to face them the way that Christ faced them 
And he faced those things with meekness. But we have those times when he was filled with righteous indignation and he used that anger to right or wrong to try and, and fix something in order to honor God. And, and, that's, and, and I think it's a challenge for us to, to try and say, when, when should we... If, if I were upset with the money changers, I don't know that I would be in a righteous position going in there, turning over tables and, and, and whipping them and telling them to get out of here. I would be mad at them. I don't think I would be mad at the sin. So I say that to say this, there's some things we just shouldn't take on. There's some things, no matter if we're trying to justify it by saying righteous indignation, I think there's some things we should just say, look, this is not something that, that we should take on. But I don't know that I have the wisdom to know what those things are. And that's where wisdom comes into play to ask God, help me know what decisions I need to make. Give me what I need to make these decisions. We're talking about this, all of this, in a way as though we can just go and do it. We've got to remember that God is central to accomplishing any of this. If you're not saved, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, if you're not able to sit down and have a conversation with God and ask him for the wisdom that James tells us he so freely gives, this doesn't apply to you because you can't get here. This is only achievable by the Holy Spirit working on and through and in a believer in Jesus Christ. There's no doubts about that. And an individual doesn't have what they need to do what Scripture tells them they should do without the Holy Spirit. You can't do it. So, so we don't want to overlook that. Because we can sit here and talk about all night long and all day long that, oh, let's make sure that we do this and we think about this and we try to do this and try to do that. No, that's why this begins with prayer. That's why this begins with going to God and saying, give me this strength, Lord, to do what you've told me I need to do. Help me make the right decision. Help me not sin. And, and, and if we don't go there first, we've started off on the wrong road to begin with. So, I'm talking too much tonight, all right? Oh, okay. I didn't look at Jesse because she would have went, oh, yeah. <laughs> What's that? Oh, okay. <laughs> That's why I didn't look at you. Okay. All right, let's go to verses 21 through 22. And uh, these are, we've, we've all read these before and probably discussed them. But it says, if your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he is thirsty, give him water to drink. For you will heap burning coals on his head and the Lord will reward you. Um, First of all, what a contradiction in ideas. I am going to be so nice to that guy I can't stand because I want his head to be on fire. <laughs> it just sounds like competing ideas here. Are you doing it because you, you're actually truly wanting to pray for him? Or are you doing it just for vengeance? <laughs> Good question. Good question. Now, I think that the whole, obviously the whole point of it is 
again, if, if we've paid any attention to everything, um, you know, we're, we're supposed to look at everyone as someone created in God's image. And we're going to have differences with them there, you know, as, as the Bible says, so much as it depends upon us, we are supposed to get along with everyone. The challenge is not everything depends upon us. And so no matter how hard we try, there's going to be that person. There's going to be that, that one person who is constantly going to get under our skin, who is constantly going to say something. There were several people at Meyer Tool Ron that I just couldn't have conversations with. Before I got done talking to them, they would say something, do something, whatever it was, and I would just walk away going, oh, <laughs> how can this be? And, and they just know how to get you. And sometimes they do it on purpose, sometimes they don't. But it doesn't matter. If they are doing it vindictively, the instruction is to continue to be kind to them. We show the love of Christ to everyone regardless. And if they're doing it vindictively, and their motives are not true, they're going to feel like burning coals upon their head because they're gonna say, why on earth are they being so nice to me? This is, why, what? I, I was looking for a fight. I didn't get a fight. They'll be let down. It'll, 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 be, it'll be a defeating action and we'll be doing it for the right reasons and God will take care of the rest. What do you do for, with the individuals that just, keep on keep a lot like keep constantly or doing things against you either saying things or doing things and i mean you try and because it because i know in the bible it says you know turn the other and then forgive them and then why dust them off as sand off your sandals but if they keep like coming at you what do you do well, I would, I, obviously, every situation is going to be different, right? But I do wonder how many times when, when we have a situation where someone keeps coming at us, when have we attacked them with Scripture? When have we attacked them with, you know what? I know all you want to do is just get under my skin, and I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to go home tonight and I am going to seriously pray for you. I love you. It's hard to do. But as someone created in the image of God, I absolutely do care about you. And I really do wish that you would see what you're doing to me. And when I don't know when we take that approach because we're usually too upset to do it. And they may laugh on our face, but they'll hear those words. You know, there's a story about a man who, who had a neighbor that would come over to him and try to witness to him constantly. And the neighbor would shut the door in his face and tell him, I don't want to hear about Jesus. I don't want to hear what you have to say. And one day he came back over and he said, listen, I really do want to talk to you about Jesus. I, I, I just want you to know, I want you to understand how much I care about you and how much I want. And again, he laughed in his face and he shut the door and the man started crying on the neighbor's doorstep. He just started weeping uncontrollably and he turned and he walked back home. And he was home just a few minutes and the neighbor went over to his house and knocked on his door. And when he answered the door, he said, what are you doing over here? He said, I, I, I was gonna leave you alone. And the neighbor, neighbor looked at him and he said, I, 
I heard you weeping uncontrollably. You've never done that before. And he said, no, I haven't. And he says, well, I have to know what is it about Jesus that causes you to feel like that about me? As badly as I've treated you, what is it about Jesus that makes you be so sad that I won't listen to you? And he listened to me. Now, I don't know if that story's true, but, it, but, it's, but it's a story that I read about several years ago. And it, and it, it, it gives us this idea that, that when people really see the love of Jesus coming out of us toward them, even when they are treating us like trash, it can have an effect. They can do something. And so, so I say, don't lose sight of what Scripture tells us to do in those situations. Don't lose sight of the fact that there's a reason why we are told to persevere and we are, we're told to, um, to be steadfast when it comes to our faith. Um, now, are those situations always going to end well? No, they're not. But vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. And we have been instructed how we are supposed to act. And so if we can avoid sinning, and at the same time, we can show someone the love of God, it's a win-win situation. It's, uh, I'll, I'll say what I said earlier, Barb. Easier said than done. Easier said than done. But, but that's, those, that's, that's my approach um, that I, I share with you. And, uh, and I sit here and say, can I do that? Have I done that? Um, I've definitely told people that I had differences with about where my feelings come from and why I act the way I do and all of that. But someone who just keeps coming back and coming back and coming back, I don't know that I've ever done that. I mean, I've had, I've definitely had confrontations and discussions with folks that, you know, we've just had disagreements and problems. But someone who's relentless, I don't know that I've ever done that. So, so be better than me, will you? <laughs> <laughs> and thank you for that question because I don't know that I've ever pondered that answer before. So, anything else? We will read about kindness and uh, what Wearsby has to say here. He says, gentleness ought to lead to kindness. See Romans 12, 19 to 21, where these same verses are quoted by Paul and applied to New Testament Christians. Instead of adding coals to the fire of anger, we help to put out the fire by showing love and kindness. Read Christ's commandment in Matthew 5, 9 through 12. If the person needs to be chastened, God will take care of the matter. Vengeance is mine, I will repay. We must be careful, however, to perform these kind deeds with the right motive. Thank you, whoever said that earlier. If we try to obligate people to us, or if we try to buy them off, God will not bless. But if we sincerely love them and want to help them, God will honor and reward us. Of course, these good deeds must not be done to impress people. Proverbs 21.14 says they ought to be secret. Solomon is not suggesting to bribe here. Rather, he is saying that kindness will be like oil that will heal the troubled waters. 
So the, the caution there, and what I really pull out of that is our motives and, and our, our drive really make a difference in the results. Because God's blessing could come from the person listening to what we have to say. God's blessing could come from a relationship that forms and someone who starts to believe in Jesus because of what we have to say. You know, it's it, when we start reading about blessings from Scripture, they can come in so many different forms that it could just be the satisfaction of knowing that we were able to witness someone successfully. So there's there's a lot to be said there. And if you got that constant naysayer coming against you, and, and as long as you have the peace within yourself and you're not giving them, giving them that control over you anymore, you actually have the peace and their effects don't affect you anymore. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so, so, but, but, but rewind it all back to the beginning, right? When you got out of bed that morning, how did you start your day? And, and, I, and I'll say it again, my, my biggest challenge still is to get up and be in the right frame of mind because I'll, I, my, my feet will hit the floor at 7.30 and my phone will be ringing. There will be text messages. There will be something. There'll be people at businesses who are already there that are having problems and difficulty. And I've had a plan. My day is going to go A, B, C, D, E. And ask Josh how many times I've told him I'll be out in Burlington to work with you on something. And I get up and I literally go right over to my computer and sit down and I never leave because I fix one problem and another one starts and another one starts and another one starts and it just keeps going. And I don't sit that what I should do is get out of bed and turn it all off. And I should sit down. I should, I should have time in prayer. I should get in touch with the Holy Spirit. I should read scripture. I, even if I took 15 minutes out of my day, it, there's, there's nobody that needs to be helped that bad that they can't wait that long. But there's something inside of me that says, you got it, you gotta go, you gotta go, you gotta go. You gotta fix these things. People need you now, get at it. And, and you, you can ask Ann, I'll, I'll, be on, I'll be on conference calls today. I was on, on or yesterday, I was on calls from, uh, what, eight, 8.45 or so until almost three o'clock in the afternoon. And it just one right after the other of something going on. And uh, at, then when the day's over, what do I do? Oh. I'll just go and sit down and turn on gun smoke. <laughs> I watch people shoot each other. It makes me feel better. <laughs> What's that? Yes, that's right. Yes. <laughs> well, it's the world where you can take a six shooter and fire it 22 times and never have to reload. You know, it's, it's, it's a wonderful miracle. <clears throat> We were watching last night, and, and Anne even looked at me. She said, why do they never have to reload? I said, don't question it. <laughs> Just enjoy it. I never even really noticed it before. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, you, I probably have, I mean, but they're just, they're just shooting and it's just like. It's just back and forth, bam, 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 bam. And it's, they just keep on going. Like how many, how many are, are, are bullets are in that cylinder? But yeah, it's, uh, anyway, y'all getting tired of me talking about gun spoke. I'll start doing a Festus impression soon. <clears throat> Let's go to verse 28. A man without self-control is like a city broken into 
and left without walls. Okay, that paints a picture, does it not? Because I think about what it's telling us here. A city that is broken into, is, is that giving us a picture of someone that has been invaded and they have literally gone in and they have torn down all of the walls that provide protection for that city, the walls that would keep others from getting in. They've tore them down from the inside out. That's, that's what popped into my head the first time I, I, I read this verse. And it's like, we're allowing what is inside us, that anger, and we'll read what Wearsby says here in a minute, but this was what came to my mind. It was that, that anger inside me boils up to the point where it completely knocks down all of my defenses, where it, it tears me apart, and I, I've, I've just lost all control, and I'm no longer who I was supposed to be. Um, it, I mean, I imagine most of us can relate to a time when we have lost control in one way or another. And you look back on it and you say, wow, I, didn't, I wasn't even thinking clearly. I said this, I did this, I went this way, I made that decision, whatever it may be. And it was all because I was just completely out of control. But then think about how that handles or how that affects our relationships. That adage um, that comes, hurt people, hurt people. Yeah, hurt people, hurt people. Yeah. So, I mean, they, there's no boundaries for them to, to do so. They just, it's like a floodgate. When you open up a floodgate, everything that was once inside comes pouring out on one poor soul, whether, you know, it was their fault or, or, or not. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's like I'm gonna, I'm you, you may not be responsible for what I'm feeling, but but you're gonna get the wrath anyway, uh, because chances are you did something in the past, and I owe you for it. So, but then again, some people they'll even tell you, "Watch this, I'll get them fired up." I think I get this person fired up, and that person, if they have no balls or no self control, it's gonna let that person get them fired. That's up. yeah, that's the other side of it, isn't it? Yeah. Yep, you're right. That's the other side of it. You you are 100% correct. And it goes back to what we talked about previously. You know, if you can if if you can if you can be focused correctly, if you can be in the spirit, you can find that inner peace, then what do you have? You have the armor. Right? You have what you need to to be able to fend that off. So, let's let's read through this here before we wrap up. Self-control. So this lies at the very heart of the matter. The Christian who practices self-control will not be destroyed by anger, nor will he or she destroy others. This verse ought to be compared with 1632. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit, then he who takes... Well, I'll go back up. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. Is that right? Okay. For people who rule their own spirit, the inner kingdom, in quotes there, is better than to rule the world. So when we have self-control, it's a better thing than to even to, than to be the, the ruler of the world or to conquer the world. Alexander the Great was able to conquer the, the world 
the known world, yet he could not conquer himself. Of course, the only way for us to have self-control is through the kingship of the Lord Jesus Christ in our lives. We reign in life through Christ. Self-control or temperance is one of the fruit of the Spirit. The flesh cannot produce self-control, for the flesh is at war with God. And that goes back to what we said. If you are not saved, we'll just boil it down to that. If you're not saved, you really don't understand what this is talking about. It is self-control that gives us the patience we need, as outlined at the beginning of the study. If we exercise self-control at the very start of a problem, it will save us all kinds of trouble later on. Proverbs 17.4 compares the beginning of strife to a small leak from a dam. If you're not careful, the break will enlarge and you'll have a flood on your hands. It's easier to stop the small leak at the start than to try to control a raging flood. Proverbs 30.33 presents a different picture, a churning, the churning of butter and the ringing of the nose. The lesson is clear. To force wrath and encourage trouble only produces more trouble. Self-control produced by the Spirit will enable a believer to handle these matters patiently and wisely. The ability to be angry about the right matters in the right way helps to build character. Certainly we ought to be aroused by injustice and sin, but when anger flares up, the, up in temper and becomes destructive, it becomes destructive. Godly anger is like the steam power in the boiler. If it is directed to the right matters, it accomplishes much good. Unrighteous anger or losing one's temper is more like a forest fire that gets out of control and destroys much good. Psalm 1914 is a good prayer for us to use. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. It's a great, great prayer that we probably ought to just hang on to and keep that when, when we feel ourselves starting to boil up, just say, Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Um, and, and get the strength from where the only place where the strength can come from. I just think this is one of the biggest challenges we all face. And, and, and maybe I'm the only one who feels that way. Um, but I, I really do feel that way. Jesse, what do you think like that for? Huh? What did you say? I said, what do you think like that for? Not only that struggles, but it's all the same. Okay. <laughs> But I, I, I do think that that is a, it's, it's a challenge. You know, it, I'll say this uh, before we close here. I make another Meyer Tool reference. Ron, Jerry Flair used to always tell me that the biggest problem in every situation that we got into was that people got emotional about it. And he would say repeatedly, if they would just stop being emotional, we could solve this problem. And they would see what the right thing is to do. And that applies so much across so many different areas of our lives. If we can calm our emotions and we can be in tune with the Holy Spirit, we can know the right path to be on. And it's a challenge. Closing comments, it's 805, I've kept you after class. All right, well, I appreciate everybody being here. Look at that, I just closed my stand ring by sitting here for an hour. Apple's brilliant. All right, let's close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you again for allowing us to be here. And Father, as always, we thank you for the preservation of your word. 
Lord, we thank you so much for these words that are in Proverbs that that mean so much to us, Lord. Uh, Help us to continuously be in tune with your spirit, Lord. Help us to, to understand what it is that you would have us do in every situation. Lord, we know that your mercies are renewed each and every day, but Father, it's not something that is easy for us in this busy, fast-paced world with all the challenges to be able to always focus upon the truths of your word and the things that we know we need to do each and every day. Lord, help us to wake up each day with the right things in mind. Help us to take the time that we need to focus upon what will keep us in tune to you and help us to make decisions that will honor you in each and every situation so that your love will be evident to all those around us, Lord. Thank you again for all that you've done. Be with us as we depart from here, Lord, and uh, just bring us back here this Sunday. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.